maybe we'll leave this off the podcast, but I got bit by a brown recluse spider while I was in Ohio. Oh, did was it officially a brown recluse? That's their best guess because it got a little necrotic. Oh, good. Okay. Like I like literally it was so bad that I had to trigger warning people if they were like, yeah, can I see the picture? Yeah, I don't want to see that picture. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the greatest song ever sung poorly, the podcast that takes karaoke exactly as seriously as it should be taken. I'm your very well-equipped karaoke host, Adam Wainwright. And I am flying by the seat of my pants, Ed Kennard. Speaking of flying by the seat of your pants, Ed, I know maybe you weren't necessarily flying, but you flew to a new location, like metaphorically this week. I know you were in Cincinnati. I heard the karaoke scene was wild. Please tell me about it. Cincinnati may be one of the best karaoke cities in the country, and I have slept on it for far too long. I hit so many different bars and such a variety of bars that the trip, even if the work stuff wasn't great, and even if the horrific spider bite wasn't great, the karaoke was great. I hit an upscale place that had a nice, young, hip crowd that had the best sound that I've ever had at a karaoke bar. I hit a great punk rock queer type bar that was more fun than I've ever had a karaoke before. And then I found the greatest karaoke dive bar in the history of karaoke dive bars. And at some point in the near future, we are going to talk to the guy who runs karaoke there. And at some point in the slightly further future, I will take you to Cincinnati so we can do it together. I definitely want to do this. And what I need you to do right now, because we're not shy about such things. And if we believe in such things passionately, it's time to name drop. Drop some fucking names for the people so they know if they're in Cincinnati where they can go. So if you are in Cincinnati, the upscale, younger, great sounding bar is called The Drinkery. It's downtown. If you would like a queer punk rock type experience, Nick Swell's on the north side. And if you want the perfect, absolute pinnacle, of karaoke dive bars you need to hit poor michaels just outside of fairfield i saw clips from poor michaels y'all on snapchat and i literally can't wait to go to this place uh ed was telling me before we started recording that this is exactly my type of karaoke bar and i know exactly what the comprise of i have a picture in my head based on both the videos from snapchat and that description of it that i'm literally like the the hairs on my arm are standing up in just anticipation of going to this place. It was awesome, man. I will think it was a great trip. It was a great trip, Adam. But I think you have some good and bad things you want to talk about, too. But at the same time you were in Cincinnati, I took a trip to Atlantic City for the weekend. My fiance was at her bachelorette party. Me and a couple of friends decided we we're going to venture to Atlantic City. My feelings at casinos are weird sometimes and it can be overwhelmed. But what I did find was like, okay, so we're looking for dinner. We decided we're going to go get wings. And there's a place that had great Yelp reviews. We go to a place called Wingcraft in Atlantic City. And I'm here to tell you, people, do not go to Wingcraft in Atlantic City. Do not go there. The wings were not good. You got seven for an obscene price. And the service was not great. It was a poor experience. But we were bullied 
The next day, as we were venturing around and we made our trip to the best Irish pub in the world is what they proclaim themselves to be on the boardwalk. And they're pretty damn good. The place was called Piccalilly Pub, right on the Atlantic City boardwalk, that advertised that they had the best wings anywhere ever, Ed. Were they the best wings anywhere ever? Hell no, they weren't. But they were the best wings in Atlantic City at the moment. They were better than Wingcraft. And the best part about it was they were cheap. The bar was divey. The beers were cheap. We each got like seven wings and drank four beers. And our tab was like $33. In Atlantic City, that's fucking wildly cheap. But what I was really intrigued by, which kind of leads us into the rest of the episode, was the phrase, the best wings anywhere ever. So our topic for this episode, we're going to talk to somebody who's going to talk a little bit about the relationship between public speaking and karaoke. Ed, what are, what are some of the, the traits that make a great karaoke-er? Is that a good word, a karaoke-er? It's a terrible word. Come up with a better word. Yeah, no, that's awful. Great. Karaoke-er is what I'm going to use the rest of the episode just because it's going to annoy the living shit out of Ed this entire time. But I think personally, we're going to discuss this more at length, is that the part of being a great karaoke is just a little bit of swagger. So thinking you're the best singer anywhere ever, it could be an essential part of karaoke. And that's going to lead us into this week's karaoke trivia bullpen. And in case you didn't know, here's what you'll get. Five questions based on the episode's topic with varying degrees of difficulty. Each question is worth one point. So the top score for any round is five points. Add you forget about this sometimes. I forget about it sometimes. If you get stuck, you can ask for a hint. I got you. I'll give you a hint, my man. Even though you got five last time, so you don't really need the hints. But even if you get all the questions wrong, you can still win by answering the impossible question. Get that one right, and you get all five points. But remember, even if you save your hint, there are no hints in the impossible bonus. And if I were to tell you that today's trivia is going to be about the ego and being the best anywhere ever how many do you think you're gonna get right it depends on how many songs come from the karate kid i'm gonna go with three i think you can get three for sure i think you're gonna get the first one for sure and i think i give you at least two of the other ones but are, are you ready for the for the stinger that i have prepared for this this is my favorite part of any of our host recordings so yes great ed so here's what i'm leading into this particular trivia session with seven times out of 10 we sing karaoke poorly thus spawned the title of this program the word trivia means the question in this case we question ed for points and that's what i bring it to the table ed how do you feel about that was that a tribe called quest rift well maybe it depends because the first question is the singer i just played is a parody of an epilogue of a song name the song and the artist the artist is A Tribe Called Quest. The song is... I am not giving you half points this time, and remember you have a hint, Ed. I know we have a hint, but I know that I know this, so I'm going to uh, hold it. It's a war tour. It's a war tour, yeah. yeah. It ties in the best anywhere ever. You have to give out some awards, right? So it's a war tour, A Tribe Called Quest. That was my take on the ending, the epilogue of a war tour from A Tribe Called Quest that I thought I'd bring to you today. I hope you enjoyed it, Ed. I was really looking forward to you singing, and I was sad until I realized what you were doing. What I was doing, yeah. Okay, so here's how we're going to approach trivia today. I, I mentioned before we started recording that this is going to be a little bit different. 
except for the impossible question, I don't have a traditional trivia question for you today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you two to three quotes from different musicians just talking about themselves. And you need to tell me who said these quotes. I'm fucked. I think you're going to do fine, Ed. I tried to weave in some hints, okay, into the quotes to make sure that there were certain things included. So you're like, for the most part, you're always going to have a timeline. So that should help. And that's the only clue I'm going to give you at the top. So in 2009, this artist said, God chose me. He made a path for me. I am God's vessel. But my greatest pain in life is that I will never be able to see myself perform live. And then in 2013, this artist said, I am Warhol. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Walt Disney, Nike, Google. Ed, who said those quotes? That has to be Kanye, right? It is Kanye West said those quotes. There it is, Ed. You got see, see, you can handle this, right? All right, all right. That's so. Uh, that's two points or one. You're up to two points now because the first question was a war tour by a tribe called Quest. Yep. So on to the next one. In 1983, when asked on American Bandstand what their ambitions may be, they replied, to rule the world. Before that, in 1981, they told Vanity Fair, I am my own experiment. I am my own work of art. And in 2007, they told Sirius XM, for me, the best thing in the world is to see something or hear something and go, damn, I wish I did that. Damn, I wish I could do that. That's inspiring. I want to be like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and John Lennon, but I want to stay alive. Ed, who said those quotes? I am going to ask the hint on this one because I feel like I got like a half hint there, but I was like, this can't be right. Okay, Ed, I'm glad you used the hint because I think the hint's going to help a lot. Okay, what are you thinking before we go into it? When you said about ruling the world and the time frame, I'm like, is this, is, is this Tears for Fears? Well, Ed, let me play this clip for you and you're going to get, I, I'm picking a random song here and you're going to get 10 seconds of this audio clip that's going to help you with the artist, okay? Okay. You looking at? Oh, it's fucking Madonna. It's fucking Madonna, Ed. It's fucking Madonna. Uh, that quote, the 2007 quotes about I want to be like Gandhi and Martin Luther King and John Lennon, but I want to stay alive. Jesus Christ, Madonna, like, what the fuck? So on to the next one. You've used your hints. I feel I regret telling you you had a hint, but that's fine. Our next artist. At, in 2007, at a live Earth concert, they said, everyone who did not arrive on a private jet, put your hands in the air. And at their band's first gig in 1978, they said, we're blank. And we want to be the band to dance to when the bomb drops. And since they were never apologetic about the band's party lifestyle, they told New York Newsday that I feel sorry for the 90s because it was never able to be anything much more than the hangover to the party that was the 80s. Name either the person who said these quotes or the band. Is that Motley Crue? It was not Motley <sighs> Crue. The person who said it was Simon LeBon, who was the lead singer of Duran Duran. And on to question number five, the final one. So in 2010, this artist is quoted as saying, some people are just born stars. You either have it or you haven't. And I was definitely born one. They were also quoted saying this to New York Magazine. I don't know if this is too much, but I can actually mentally give myself an orgasm. 
And they added, the Lower East Side has an arrogance, a stench. We walk and talk and live and breathe who we are with such an incredible stench that eventually the stench becomes a reality. Our vanity is a positive thing and made me the woman I am today. Ed, name the artist. Is it Lady Gaga? It's Lady Gaga, Ed. Well done. Way to work through it. That was great. So you got four or five there. Like, approach it a different way. You did a great job, buddy. Did a great job, but you can go for five of five right now with the impossible question. Are you ready for this? Try to get five of five again for two weeks in a row? I feel like no one has ever been ready for the impossible question. So why start now? Yeah, exactly. Why start now? So, Ed, this one's going to be structured like a traditional trivia question, just so you know. Because I want to talk about one of the most egotistical personalities in history, and that is John Wilkes Booth. Now, John Wilkes Booth came from a theatrical family with a rich pedigree. Booth was a noted actor, Confederate sympathizer, and most notably an assassin. Now, John Wilkes Booth is most recognized for the assassin part, but I want to take a second to focus on his acting career. Now, his career began at the age of 17 on August 14th, 1855, when he portrayed Earl of Richmond in Richard III and was booed offstage when he couldn't remember his lines. Now, his career took a sharp upward turn on October 15th, 1958, uh, during the production of Hamlet, when his more famous brother, Edwin, who portrayed the titular character, pulled John, who played Horatio, on stage and shouted, I think he's done quite well, don't you? And was met with thunderous applause. Now, Booth's career would span 10 years, which he would be called everything from a natural genius on stage to it being said that he was too impatient for hard study, and his brilliant talents had failed a full development. Now, on April 14, 1865, he shot President Lincoln in the head at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., which, as it turns out, was also the site of his last performance as an actor on March 18, 1865. Ed, the question I pose to you is this. What play did Booth perform in on that date, and what role did he play in that play? So knowing what I know about the Booth brothers, I, I, I feel like it almost has to be Shakespeare. I feel like it has to be a tragedy. I am going with, did he play Macduff in Macbeth? He may have played Macduff in Macbeth, but it wasn't at this performance. Actually, Ed, if you really want to know, the last performance he did with his brothers was actually Julius Caesar. He actually played Antony. He played Antony in Julius Caesar, not Brutus, who was his favorite Shakespeare character of all time. But that's not the correct answer. The answer to this particular question, the play he performed in on March 18th, 1865 at the Ford's Theater was a play called The Apostate, and he played Duke Pescara. Yeah, no way I was getting that. Yeah, that's the point of the impossible question. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. And you did great, though. Four out of five is not bad. I will take it. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed the way the kind of flavor I brought the trivia. But enough of that, Ed, we introduce the people to our main segment today. If there is a fault in our podcast, it is that we do not give you, our loyal listeners, real, solid, actionable advice. So today, because we are speaking to Brendan Kamarasamy, a noted public speaker and coach, who helps people be more effective communicators. Today, we are focusing on the seven habits 
of highly effective karaoke people. Karaoke, is that just to correct you? I will not say that. That sounds very wrong. Okay, we'll go with karaoke people today. I'm going to keep saying karaoke's. It's now going to be just like it's it's canon in the podcast. I'm going to keep using it. You are just trying to get another branded t-shirt with your face on it. I do love the branded t-shirts with my face on it, but that's beside the point. And there's seven habits of highly effective karaoke people, not karaoke's everybody, but karaoke people. Ed, what's number one? For God's sakes, just clap. Ooh, I like it. What does that mean? Think about it this way, Adam. If on an average night, the karaoke rotation is 10 to 20 singers, right? That means functionally, you are only 5 to 10% of the music on any given night. If you want to be a highly effective karaoke person, engage in that other 90 to 95% of the time. Clap cheer hoot holler be present the entire night i i like this one and i'm glad we set her on this as being number one ed because i think this is an important part of it and i think we tend to lose scope in our own like narrow view of the world that we're just so concerned about singing and what we're going to sing what comes next so we forget that by just clapping like even if you're disengaged if you make your hands go in a clapping motion and make noise when somebody is done you're actually adding to the experience for everybody that night. So I'm glad we started with for number one. For, for God's sake, just clap. What about number two, Adam? Okay, so to be a highly effective karaoke people, I think you just need to read the room. And what we mean by read the room is that if the tempo's up, if it's an up-tempo night, if it's a party night, we don't need to know, like, the sound of silence. We don't need that disturbed sound of silence at that moment. We don't need fucking Leonard Cohen. We don't need some of the shit that Ed and I have been known to do at the end of the night. Read the room. Make your song choices that feed into the energy of the night. Don't be the person that disrupts the energy because you're so stuck in what you want to sing that you're not going to contribute to everybody else. It's selfish. It's not appreciated. Right, Ed? Yeah, there's absolutely like sad, heartbreaking songs that sound a lot more upbeat until you really think about them. Choose one of those instead of Suzanne. Yeah, we're not we're not saying you can't do a sad song. Sad songs can fit into an up-tempo night. It's just that, like, God, listen to it in your head and say, if I was at a party, would I want to hear this? But if it's a sad night, if it's a night where everybody is like, it's a melancholy mood, everybody wants to be cathartic, they're getting their demons out and shit like that, don't be like, that's the night that I'm going to be like, well, I'm going to shrink back straights back, all right? Like, no, guy, no. No, but you know what? If you are that type of person that's going to select Backstreet's Back, all right, you may really want to listen to number three. Because what's number three, Ed? Number three is drink responsibly. Oh, good Lord, please do this. So, obviously, we want people at karaoke to have a good time. We do not want to stop you from drinking. We just want you to drink within your limits. If your limit is zero, you are still more than welcome to be there and drink water and hang out and give a ride home to your friend who clearly had too much to drink. But don't get to the point where you can't function on a microphone, where you will drop said microphone, which probably costs $100 to the guy hosting it, where you will engage in less than socially positive pursuits with other people in the bar, meaning, you know, 
you get kind of creepy, you get kind of violent. Like, don't do any of that. Like, know where your limit is and don't drink even near that point. Like, not even past it. Don't even get to it. Yeah, and we're not saying, like, to be very clear, we're not saying don't drink. For God's sake, Ed and I, like, an essential part of Ed and I going to karaoke at this point is having some drinks. Like, having some beers, having a little bit of whiskey. Like, it all depends on the night if I'm feeling frisky. I... I just made some kind of really bad Dr. Seuss shrine right there. And I instantly regret it, but I'm going to keep talking anyway. And we're not saying don't drink. We're not, we're, we're not saying that, but as a general rule, I would say you can disagree with me or not, Ed, that if you can't read your text messages, you shouldn't be singing karaoke. Is that a good rule? Or do you, would you take it one step further? I would adjust it slightly because half the time I can't read my text messages without my glasses and I don't wear them all the but time. But that's because you're blind. Like, is a, I'm talking about for a different reason other than eyesight. For that reason, then yes. We're just going to move on to number four. We're going to leave it at that. If you can't read your text messages, you shouldn't be singing karaoke, but still have a couple drinks if you want to. So, Adam, please enlighten us. What is number four? Let me tell you a tale. And I will simplify this down so people have a clear number four. But let me tell you a tale of Stevie. Stevie got up to sing karaoke. It was a great night. Everybody was clapping along. Nobody had ever drank. Like they were going along with the theme of the night, which we'll say is a party night. And Stevie gets up there and they're going to they're gonna contribute. They know better. They want to sing a party song. So they sing some party rock anthem. Because that just seems like the most logical choice on a party night. They sing some party rock anthem. And what they do is they hold the microphone close to their chest and they whisper and they're very coy on stage and they don't move around a whole lot. What are they not doing there, Ed? What would you say they're not doing? They are not owning the stage, Adam. No, that stage is theirs. When you sing karaoke, when you're on that stage, that stage is yours for the time that you're there. Own it. That's your piece of property. Do what you do. Engage the people pretend like it's your own backyard your own television screen for god's sake on the stage just do something that stakes your claim you have that stage for three to five minutes roughly you don't have to walk around the entire bar and engage everybody but you have to make your presence known not just with your voice but with the way that you are commanding those three to five minutes it makes such a difference just like being engaged in some aspect and not and making the stage a little bit your own and you don't have to move to make the stage your own i think there there's times where if the song you're singing leads you to sit and there are certain songs that i will like if i have a stool available to me to sing hurt i will pull up a stool and i will sing hurt but it's intentional i'm owning the stage for the song choice that i have so i'm going to say number four is going to be owning that stage for the seven habits of highly effective karaoke people oh ed number five you just need to be open to new experiences and new people. And what does that mean, though? Like, what does that mean? Well, think about this. I just got back from a very long, very arduous work trip. I, at that point, knew three people in that city. Okay. I've come back knowing at least 15 more. And you know why? At karaoke, I am the friendliest I ever am. I met people who I otherwise might not have become friendly with. And I became a part of these nights. And karaoke is more than anything else about the other people you are there with, whether you came with friends or whether you show up at a bar by yourself and everyone's a stranger. 
because it is a mixtape that you guys are all collaborating on together. I don't think I've ever heard anything so beautiful as describing a karaoke night as a mixtape in which you're all collaborating together. I think it's beautiful. That's a beautiful sentiment. And that wouldn't have happened if you closed yourself off. You can go to karaoke and close yourself off. I've done it. Like people do it. Like it happens. I just think you're, you're shutting a very important social door if you do so. And if we are talking about the seven habits of highly effective karaoke people, you will be more effective if you are open to other experiences and other people. Yeah. People will engage with you in a different way. It will bring us to number six, actually. Number six is be someone others want to be around. I think this ties very closely to number five. So it kind of makes logical sense. And why, by this, we mean be open to experiences and just bring energy and present yourself in the best light. You can break this down and how all the different layers of these seven tie into each other. And I think they all contribute to it. But what number six really comes down to is just be the person other people want to be around. And I'm not saying frame yourself for other people. That's not what I'm saying. Cause I think that robs there's something that's robbed from a karaoke night. If you're trying to imagine what other people want to be around, be unabashedly brave to be yourself. And I think if you do that, you're going to be somebody who wants to be around. And not only that, but consider self-policing that karaoke night. We've all been to karaoke nights where somebody was kind of obnoxious, kind of heckling. Be the person willing to speak up and say, hey, that's not cool, man. And you're going to win friends that way. You really are. Just by being yourself and speaking up and being an advocate, the karaoke DJ will fucking love you. They'll fucking love you if you just step up and say some shit. If somebody's being disruptive and you you say something so they don't have to because they're getting paid and they're trying to like maintain it. If you're the person that steps up, god damn it, that karaoke DJ is gonna fucking love you forever. Just be someone others want to be around. And I know you don't do a lot of the number seven, but I think it's an important part of being a highly effective karaoke slash karaoke people. Number seven, we are calling practice makes not as bad usually. And the thing I will say, Adam, is I, I do practice. I don't practice my songs, but we've been doing this together for nearly a decade and a half. And that is nothing but not practice. It might not be the practice of practicing a specific song to be better at it. But in that 15 years, I've learned how microphones work. I've learned how speakers work. I've learned what to do and what not to do in any given situation with audiovisual equipment. And that is a form of practice. Like I am not going to cup a mic. I am not going to hold it all the way out from my chest if it's not set that hot that I have to. I'm also not going to put it in my mouth like I'm filleting it. And that is all things I've learned from our time doing it together. So that is functionally practice, but I think you mean practice your songs. I think I want to validate what you're saying, because I think that does qualify as practice. And I think it's something that we just become accustomed to. And that's kind of how we practice. But I am referring to practicing your songs and whatever practice means to you, whether it be understanding mic technique or feelings at the bar or anything that we discuss, what it means to be uniquely you and open to people. I think whatever it tends to, but just practice and repetition makes perfect. Like Every now and then, if there is a song that I really want to do at karaoke, but like I have nerves about it because I like the song, I will practice it. I'll record myself singing it. I'll listen back. I'll see if I can make the adjustments, if I can actually do it at karaoke. 
if somebody asks me to do that song at karaoke, I'll sing it anyway. But it may not be a song that I choose to do at karaoke if I'm not, like, if I don't like the way I sound on it. Or if I discover there's just notes I can't hit. It happens with musical theater a lot. But I think you're absolutely correct, too, in saying that practice is just going and doing and practicing all these principles. And I think if you can put all these together, you're going to be an incredibly effective karaoke person that people are going to want to be around. You're going to contribute to the night. Ed, do what I think we should summarize. Ed, can you just summarize the seven that we mentioned? Absolutely. So number one, for God's sakes, just clap. Number two, read the room. Number three, drink responsibly. Number four, own that stage. Number five, be open to experiences and people. Number six, be someone others want to be around. And number seven, practice makes not that bad usually. I believe in a lot of these. I think this is a great list. I think it's a great starting point for anybody who wants to become a more effective karaoke or Ed. Karaoke person. Karaoke or karaoke person, tomato, tomato. Let's just cue the guitar and move on to our interview. And now it's time for a promo. Hey there, listeners. We're the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. Two sisters and Marvel fans who discuss all things Marvel content, including the Disney Plus shows, the movies, fan theories and predictions, Marvel news, and other hot topics in the MCU. Join us each week when new shows are airing on Disney Plus as we break down our thoughts on each episode, predictions about where it's going next, and potential implications for the wider MCU. We also share predictions and reactions to all MCU and MCU adjacent movies and tackle other fun topics on a bi weekly basis when there aren't any shows airing. So come along for the ride because Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. Everyone knows that public speaking is one of the most common fears people list having, but that may just because public singing isn't an option on those surveys. Our guest today knows how intimidating both public speaking and public singing can be. He's the founder of Master Talk and coaches people all over the world on becoming better, more effective communicators. And while he can speak three languages, he can sing karaoke in eight. Brendan Kamarasamy, welcome to the greatest song ever sung poorly. That was the best introduction ever. Thanks so much, Ed. It's great to be here, Adam and Ed. Thanks for having me. Brendan, we just want to make you feel special the minute you walk into our space. And so now that you're in our podcast space, we figured we hype you up and just jump right into it. I don't waste any time. What I demand to know right now is what's your background? What's your karaoke origin story? How did you get started on this journey called karaoke? So when I was in high school, I, I watch and I still watch this to the state. There's a genre of cartoons and TV shows called anime. So anime is kind of like Japanese style TV shows. Think of Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon, a lot of these shows were originally Japanese and then were translated later into English. But the thing is, and don't worry, this is going somewhere, the opening and the ending of a lot of these shows, if you watch the original version, are in Japanese. So that's how I first got started with languages that were not my own. So I was kind of listening to these shows. And then after when I got into college, 
I started hanging around the Asian Chinese community a lot because I used to play a video game called League of Legends. And that's, that's something I was pretty crazy, almost competitive, almost. And a lot of these Asian guys, and it's no offense to them, they're amazing. They just like doing karaoke. So one of those nights, we were playing video games in like a club in college. And they just, hey, do you want to go out tonight? And I was like, I don't really go out. I play video games, but sure. What do you guys want to do? Are we going to like dinner or something? Like, no, we're going to karaoke bar. I was like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, we're going to sing. And I, and I said no initially. But after the third or fourth time they asked me, I said, you know what? All of my friends are Asian. And this is the only thing that they do. So I might as well start doing that. That's how I learned how to, how to do karaoke. And I've been obsessed ever since. And that was probably like the last time you said no to something social, if I had to guess. <laughs> I still say no a couple of times, but, but yes, I've definitely said yes a lot more since then, for sure. So the thing that blows my mind that we mentioned in the intro is that, okay, it's already amazing that you speak three languages, but you can sing karaoke in eight languages. What are they? And which one is your favorite to sing in? And which one is the most challenging? So let me just summarize for the audience. I speak English, French, and Tamil, so I can obviously karaoke in those three. And then outside of those three, I can do five other languages. But let me be super clear. I can't do every song. Like Mandarin, I could do like one or two songs. Japanese, I can do a strong, robust collection. So it varies a lot. So bear with me. Spanish is one of them. Japanese, Hindi, Korean, and Mandarin are the five other ones. My favorite one is probably <laughs> Korean. I'm pretty solid in Korean, and it always surprises people. So I like that one in Spanish, too. Well, we're not letting you off the hook. Which one's the most difficult? Difficult? Definitely Korean. And the reason Korean is a lot harder is because, once again, remember, team, so people are listening to this carefully. I speak through karaoke. I don't know how to speak the other five languages. So I'm not, like, listening to some guy talking Korean and going, like, okay, completely understand what they're saying. Like, no, I have no idea what they're saying. I'm just going off of the pronunciation. Spanish is way easier for me because I know how to speak English and French fluently. So it's the same pronunciation, but Korean is like a whole other dictionary. So, yeah, I can fumble through exactly one song in Japanese just because I know it really well. But I'm, I'm sure I'm not saying the right words. I'm just approximating the sounds of Sukiyaki by Kai Sakamoto. And I don't think I sing anything in any other languages. What about you, Adam? Well, no, I don't. I've attempted, I think. I'd like to take a crack at a French song one day. I think I might be able to hold that one together, but I've tried. I think that somebody put me on a pedestal where I had to sing something in Spanish once, and it was as much of a train wreck as you can possibly imagine. But Brendan, I have a question for you. Okay, so, you know, there's that chicken and the egg question, like which one came first, the chicken or the egg? For you, which one came first, public speaking or karaoke? Karaoke actually came first, oddly enough. Because I started speaking professionally, probably, and coaching and all that stuff when I was like 19 or 20. But me and karaoke have a long history. I mean, technically, I think I started doing karaoke, you know, 16, 17, actually. And it's funny, I was able to tie it in later into what I ended up doing in life. But yes, karaoke did come first, yeah. Yeah, and we will share the video of you saying how karaoke can make you a better public speaker. <laughs> yeah, that was a random video. I didn't know how that came up. But what I want to know is... What is the relationship for you between karaoke and public speaking? For sure. So initially there wasn't one. Let's be honest, guys. I was kind of just doing karaoke for fun. But later what ended up happening was when I started making the YouTube videos and I started running out of ideas to be quite frank here. I mean, there's only, what else can you talk about? Filler words, ums and ahs. I started creating a new series called This Versus That, which is like communication. I, I, I have one like rappers, 
I have another one in like train rides. I was sitting on a train once to Toronto and I was like, huh, there should be like a correlation between presentations and train rides. And I just wrote some shit up and it just made sense. So what, what ended up happening with karaoke, it was more rather kind of a chicken and egg thing. It really came after, right? And what I realized is karaoke, especially in languages that are not native to you, it actually improves your pronunciation, your ability to articulate in your first language a lot more effectively. So it's an advanced lesson. Let me give you an example right now. So if I go to Japanese right now, or if I say something in Italian, like, or if I do something like in Spanish, or whatever, notice I'm switching languages really quickly, but my pronunciation is staying super clear. Not that you guys would know, obviously, you are, we're not fluent at the other ones. But the, the key is because I'm learning to pronounce words I don't even understand, when I go back to English, my pronunciation is a lot better. So that's, that's the lesson I got from it. Pretty dope, actually. I, I never honestly like looked at it that way and kind of put those pieces together because, I mean, I don't like to brag, but I consider myself a pretty damn good public speaker. I, I've been working on and honing my craft, but I know there are a lot of challenges that people have with public speaking. What do you find in your experiences through coaching, the videos, talking to people? What's the biggest challenge people have with public speaking? And, and I find, Adam, it ties so well with the theme of this podcast because the biggest problem, frankly, guys, is we see it as a chore. We don't see it as something fun to do like karaoke. So I'll give you an example. Where do we learn how to speak? Well, we learn how to speak in the education system. We're presenting in high school, in middle school, in elementary. That's where we learn how to communicate and give presentations. But all of those presentations, Ed and Adam, have three main problems. The first one is all of them are mandatory, unlike karaoke. Karaoke is something we choose to do. It's fun. It's like, yeah, this is cool. But when it comes to presentations, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, hey, you guys want to get breakfast and like eat broccoli pizza and present all day? Like nobody says that, right? Right, except maybe Ed or something. That would be me. I think yeah. I think Ed and I might be the two people that would say that, but continue, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, it's, it's literally you two and like me and that's it. So that's one. Number two, all of the presentations, guys, that we learn in the education system are different. Well, we never get to pick the topic either. It's never like, what are you two excited about? You guys excited about cooking or karaoke or sharing your voice? Now you got to talk about Shakespeare and you got to deal with it. So it's like, okay. And then there's problem number three, which is the worst one. Every presentation is tied to a punishment. Like if you don't do well on a, in a karaoke song, which happens 97% of the time, no, the guy who owns the karaoke bar doesn't come in and says, you two out of here, get out of here, don't come back. Like nobody's saying that. It, it definitely, especially with me when I'm singing like Korean songs, like, what the hell is this brown guy doing? So you get out of here. Right now, like people just clap and you just move on. Whereas we don't have that mindset in communication. Going along with that and that mindset, why do you think people struggle so much and have such a fear of it? Absolutely. So then going on that analogy, Ed, what happens is over time, as every presentation we do is mandatory, every presentation we do is different, every presentation we do is tied to a punishment. Well, those are the memories that last for the rest of our life. Let me make a different argument. Why are you two such great communicators? My educational guess is quite simple because you don't see communication as something that is a chore. You see it as something fun. So when you do karaoke, and you, you go into a podcast, like, this is fun. Like, I get to learn, I get to share a message. But unfortunately, that is not the, the general sentiment around communication. 
around how to speak. And that's really the challenge and why people struggle with it is when they see it as a chore, as like doing the dishes, they don't get better at it. So for me, uh, my background is in academia and then 20 years in sales and 15 years in karaoke. And I am one of those rare people who is nearly 100% extroverted. So yes, talking to a whole bunch of people all at once is kind of my ideal. It's how I would recharge my batteries. And I know, Adam, you probably have a similar thing with what you do. It's, it's a little bit different for me. One of my biggest hobbies is theater, but that's not necessarily public speaking because you learn a disassociation in theater. Like you disassociate yourself from the audience because you're living in the world that you're creating on stage, which I think this ties into karaoke and public speaking in a way for me, because what the biggest advantage I have as a public speaker is that when I step in front of a room, I have a message I want to deliver and I don't care what you think about it. Like, I want you to respond positively. I know I have the tools that you're going to respond positively. But at the end of the day, all I can do is control how I'm presenting myself, how I'm articulating my arguments, and how I'm engaging you. I can control what I can control. I can't control your thoughts. And that's one of the lessons I learned a long time ago. Because I think I'm a little bit, I'm still an extrovert, but I'm a little bit more introverted than Ed. Because I don't need people in a room to have energy. But that's one of the biggest things. I, I just learned the disassociation with the audience and controlling what I can control and let everybody think what they're going to think. So let's say I want to become a better public speaker. Because I always want to become a better public speaker, Brendan. And since you're a pro, I'm just an amateur enthusiast. What are some daily exercises that I can do to practice communication and get better at it? I mean, to be honest, guys, you, you two are very solid as, as communicators. You mentioned something really key, Adam. And funny enough, I also have a video on theater as well. I'm, I'm definitely not an enthusiast like you are. I've done like two or three improv sessions. But one of the things that is, that is important to point out with theater is that's an experience that you're also opting in for. So no one's like, the police isn't coming to your house putting handcuffs on you and saying you have to do theater. No, it's like, it's, a, it's an experience you're choosing to do. And the mindset a lot of the theater kids have growing up is they see communication and public speaking as a way to entertain the audience, as a way to give a performance, as a way to create impact for the people who are coming out on a Friday night, a Thursday night to watch like a play or to watch a show or performance. And that's actually why, even if a lot of people in theater actually happen to be introverts, funny enough, as you probably know yourself, they're able to actually circumvent that entirely. Why? Because their frame of reference around communication is different. Whereas everyone outside of theater or a lot of fields like that, they see communication as a chore. So I'm glad you threw that out there. It's a great analogy. So jumping into the, the daily public speaking tips, I'll give one at a time. So I'm not monologuing too long here. So there's three. So the first one is called the random word exercise. So the random word exercise is fairly simple, guys. All you have to do is you pick a random word like water bottle, like lemonade, like eye contact, like wall, and you give random presentations out of thin air. And what I always like to say is if we can make sense out of nonsense, we can make sense out of anything. So pick five random words, give five random presentations, do it every day and you'll get better. A lot of improv principles are based off of concepts like that, actually, where it's a random word and you play a word association going down the line. Brendan, have you ever played Jackbox games per chance? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the get together and you play Quiplash or any of those games, you know what I'm talking about? It's a social game that became very popular during the pandemic. You can download it on Steam or Xbox or PlayStation or anything like that. And all it is, it's social games that you can play with friends. You can stream them or you can play them in the same room. But what popped into my head is one of them is actually 
a thing where everybody enters their prompts and then you select a random prompts and somebody controls the pictures that are appearing with your PowerPoint presentation and you need to give a PowerPoint presentation on whatever it is that pops up there and tie those pictures in somehow. So it kind of really flexes those public speaking muscles and thinking on the fly. So your, your random words, that's exactly what popped in my head. I'll, I'll have to send you the link after we wrap up here. We play a game similar to that called PowerPoint Karaoke, but it's way harder. It's literally you have, it could be about anything and it could be like a picture of a giraffe. It could be a picture of a goose and you have to like create presentation at dinner. But I will say, I wouldn't recommend that for beginners. I wouldn't start there. I'd probably just pick a random word to have fun with it. Well, now I just want to go up to Canada and take Adam with me and play that with you because I think that sounds <laughs> that like a lot cool. of fun. So, I mean, Adam's a little bit more introverted than I am and more introverted than I assume you are, but he's not quite an introvert. But I know there's probably some people who listen to us who do fall towards the more introverted side of things. Do you have any advice for them specifically on coming out of their shell and speaking to people either on a one-on-one -on -one basis or in a group setting? Absolutely, Ed. So, so in the context of being an introvert, I always like to say you too, that it's important to understand the advantages that one has as an introvert. So let me give a couple of examples. Number one, introverts are much better at listening. Because they speak less on average, they're able to listen effectively to the people that they speak to and adapt the message to their audience more effectively. Whereas I'm more, I'm similar to you, Ed, where I'm very much extroverted. So for me, it's, it's, it wasn't as easy to listen to people because I always want to be yapping all the time. So that's number one. Number two is introverts are very good at pausing to emphasize key parts of their message. Extroverts suck at pausing. It takes a while for us to learn it. And the reason is simple. When we're at an event, when we're at a bar and there's a space, we want to fill it up. Oh, well, uh, what's your vegetarian pizza made out of? Or uh, what's your favorite color? You always want to fill up that space. Whereas introverts are comfortable in silence. So they don't really care that much if they have to pause a little bit. And finally, number three is simply audience's accessibility, which is a bit different, it's a bit counterintuitive. So extroverts, the problem that they sometimes have is they can be controversial. You either like them or you don't. Gary Vaynerchuk is probably the best example of that, CEO of VaynerMedia. He's the kind of guy that you either really like or you really don't. I personally like the guy. But then you got people like Brene Brown, Susan Kane. No one's saying I hate Brene Brown because if you say that, you go to jail. So introverts are more accessible. So understand the strengths, essentially. Yeah, that's a really great point. And it's something that, you know, it, it just takes a little while to study and pick up on. So I'm glad you kind of brought that to our audience's attention. But let's flip it back to karaoke because that's what we're here for. Brendan, you're a professional. All right, you're a professional speaker. You're a professional, I think, in just everything you do at this point. I have dialed in your professional in everything you do. And I have a feeling that you're going to give some great advice right here because we're going to ask you to give our audience advice, okay? So as a professional speaker, what advice do you have for people who want to make a big impression while performing karaoke? What kind of skills can they bring to the karaoke stage to make sure it's memorable? You know what I would say, Adam, for karaoke specifically, which is definitely different advice, I would say the biggest thing that's helped me a lot is presenting the same song over and over again. You got to practice. You got to do the reps. Like one thing I did, because I take my karaoke game seriously. So if I'm going to karaoke bar with my Asian friends, I'm practicing in the basement. Like I'm practicing the songs I'm going to go with. Was I find a lot of people karaoke, they get drunk. And then they're, they're not as strong. 
they don't take it seriously at a professional level. Whereas me, it's more like I'm ta- I'm putting the Korean songs up up on the computer, and and I take it super seriously. So when I'm on that stage, I'm I'm getting the results that I want. That's one piece. The other piece is do the harder thing, and I'll tell you what the harder thing is right now. If you can do this, you can be a god at karaoke, and that is simply singing a Sean Paul song. Huh. And the reason these things are impossible <laughs> is because the guy, it's like you hear something and then you look at the lyrics and you're like, what the fuck? Like, this, it's not the same thing. Like, he's saying like, bada, bada, and then you're like, I ate a banana. You're like, wait, where did the, I, I didn't hear that. So yeah, if you can sing Sean Paul songs, you're like the best at this. <laughs> now, just as a follow-up to that, because you've, you've mentioned a lot of stuff with with Asian karaoke. Do you like that private room environment more with like your group of friends or do you prefer like a stage and a crowd of people you don't know? I don't think I've done, I think I've done the stage environment like once or twice, but it didn't really count because we were all singing together. So we were at a mm. bar and there was like 50 people, but we we're like 10 people on the mic. Like at this point, everyone's plastic except for me because I don't drink. So everyone was just kind of plastic except for me. So, that, so it was more just for fun. But the, yes, you're right. I would say 95% of my karaoke has been in the private VIP kind of closed doors kind of thing. Well, let's open some new doors for you right now, Brendan. <laughs> okay. And we're going to transition into our world famous game. Hit me with your best shot. So here's what's about to happen. We're going to give you five rapid fire, mm-hmm. rapid fire questions. And you just give us the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. You don't know what explanation to anybody. It's your opinion. Just shout them out. Let us know and let the world know what you think. Are you ready to play? Let's do it. Great. Number one, what is the best thing you have seen at karaoke? Best thing I've seen at karaoke is the friendships, the energy. Even the most introverted person gets really into it after after a few hours. So I love that. Conversely, what's the worst thing you've seen at karaoke? People getting too drunk sometimes. (laughs) So then you're not really focused on the karaoke. You're focused on the people who are like passed out in the back. That's what I don't like it about it too much. I feel like that's a two-way street because sometimes drunk people make great karaoke and sometimes they create moments like that. So we're on board. Question number three. What is the one song that you would love to do with karaoke, but you've just never been able to find? Ooh, that's a tough one. Never been able to find. It would probably have to be a song that's like very indie because I know a lot of the karaoke bars and stuff. They don't really have a lot of the the underground music. It, I mean, you guys wouldn't even know the song. It would probably be like uh, this artist named Kwan. He's like Korean. He has a he has a song that he does with this guy named Marco. It has like two hundred views on YouTube. I'd love to do that one, but nobody uh, that doesn't exist anywhere <laughs> karaoke. and i also don't know it i would have to practice it knowing if it was in the catalog <laughs> now imagine that someone kidnapped your entire family and loved ones and the only way to release them was to wow the kidnappers with a karaoke performance what song do you choose oh easy i would pick melted by act on musician so act on musician is like a, a sibling a group in korea and they sing a very sad song that's all in Korean. And it would just like completely mess them up. So I would do the, And they would just be like, 
And by the time they realize what's happening, I've already released the family and we've already got ice cream and they're just lost and hypnotized. Brendan is just weaponizing that sadness. <laughs> pulling on those heartstrings. I love it. Love it. I, lo- I don't think we've ever had anybody say they just confused them with being so awesome. Like, I love that. So <laughs> They would just the get last- so lost. Why is this brown guy talking in Korean? They'd just be like, they'd be like, what's that? Am I in drugs? Did I have too much or something? And then they would start to question their own existence. Maybe my favorite answer that anybody's given to that question so far. Question number five that we have to wrap this up. If you could magically strike one song from every karaoke playlist everywhere forever, which song would you choose? I I don't know. The first thing that came to mind is like Britney Spears' One More Time. I don't know why, though. I don't know if I'd strike it. I think that's too aggressive. But but (laughs) would I want it? Would I want it be played more than once on a karaoke night? No. Like, let's do it Brendan, once over with. Luckily, you're in a position where you don't have to actually strike it, but we will. Bye, Brittany. <laughs> we'll see you. No, no more times for Brittany. Okay, that was it. Uh, Brendan, you did great. But as tradition, now you get a chance to fire away because it's only fair. So you can ask Ed and I any one question that pops in your head and we solemnly swear that we will answer honestly. So go ahead, Brendan, fire away. Oh, that's interesting. I get a question. Okay. Let me ask a messed up question. What are you both pretending not to know? Ooh. Hmm. That's such a good fucking question. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to answer this honestly. I might be the most pretentious human being alive. It's quite possible. No way. Any uh yeah, I've worked very hard to hide it, but anyone who's ever dated me will tell you, "No, he's He's right. He's he's so sometimes I have to hide some things that I do know so I don't come across as horribly obnoxious. Like if you ever watched How I Met Your Mother, I'm almost oh, yeah. Ted Mosby with the correcting people on how things are pronounced. Like you don't want to go to a Renaissance festival with me because I will tell you how nothing was called ye old because it's a mistranslation of a letter that no longer exists in the English alphabet that kind of looks like a Y, but it was called thorn and it it was it was the old. It was not ye. And like I will go off on tangents like that if I am left to my own devices. I totally remember that scene from High Metro Mother. So good. Uh, I would say that I would uh, just in general. I would say I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Where I feel like for me, I pretend not to know a lot. Like where I will try to blend in because I have the tools that I can use in any social situation that even if I don't know what's going on, I will pretend to the end of the earth that I do know and I can be sincere and make you believe that I know exactly what's going on in any situation. It's very rare that I feel like I'm out of my element when it comes to a conversation. And if I am out of my element, I can pull it up defensive tools like you wouldn't believe that I, I just know it, it's listening to people the way people speak and what they're placing emphasis on and what are they dialing back to what is it circling to so i can i can camouflage myself in any situation by latching on to points about something i don't know about and then echoing like oh yeah that was very very cardio cardiac surgery i don't i'm worried yeah yeah i'm learning all about cardiac surgery right now so that's my newest thing that i'm pretending that i know something of cardiothoracic surgery and see what I mean about being pretentious. See what I mean? (laughs) We tied it all together. We tied it all together. Just like that. I'm shocked that you two answered the question so quickly and very well, actually. So my hat's off to both of you. It's 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 the years of therapy making me introspective. (laughs) 
I was going to say hats off to you, not to you, Ed. You no. no, not hats off to you, but hats off to you, Brendan. This was a great interview. I think our audience actually is going to pull a lot from this interview, and we learned some stuff about karaoke. We learned some stuff about public speaking. We just had some fun today. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, what we like to do at this point is just kind of turn the show over to you. The greatest song ever sung poorly is now your show. So plug whatever you want, send whatever messages you want, and take it away. Ed and I are going to fade into the background. Because <laughs> it's so funny. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. This is a super fun episode. And and I got a lot from this. And I, you asked me a lot of follow-up questions. Now I'll be ready for any future karaoke questions I get asked. So thanks for that. And, and in terms of getting in touch, two easy ways to keep in touch. The first one is a YouTube channel. Just check out Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of videos. Or if you want to come to one of my Zoom trainings for a few weeks, just go to rockstarcommunicator.com. And then my final word is just a question. The question is simply this, guys. How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? You know, a lot of communication is saturated negativity, anxiety, stress, whereas I see it as a way to make a difference, as a way to lead a more fulfilling life. Because it's the way that we talk to strangers when we travel, right? It's the way that we order food at a restaurant. It's the way that we karaoke in with, with people that we don't really know. That's the point of communication. So when we dream about it, we'll get the results that we're looking for. I can't think of a better way to finish an episode than that advice. What about you, Adam? And I couldn't agree more. Brendan, thanks again for joining us and I hope to see you singing at a screen sometime soon. Dear listener, hi, it's me, Adam Wainwright. I'm one of the hosts of this here podcast, the greatest song ever sung poorly. You may know me from my website, sungpoorly.com. Well, I'm here to tell you that on that website, if you type in sunkportly.com into the old browser layer on your computer or your cell phone, because we live in, you know, 2022. But if you type into sunkportly.com and you look in the little right-hand corner, there's going to be something that says, leave a message. And we'd really love if you did that. We'd love it even more if you asked a karaoke-related question in that little corner so you can feature you your beautiful voice, and finally do away with Ed's voice altogether on this podcast by leaving a question. And we can just fill space and time with your voice instead of Ed's, and everybody's going to be the better for it. We want to give you, the people, some karaoke advice. And we can only do that if you, the people, leave us a message. We love the responses we've got so far, but we could always use more. So go to sungpoorly.com, ask us a question, leave a message, did I, did I cover everything, Ed? You did cover everything except what you leave to me, which is to thank Ben Dumb for giving us our theme song, our, all our little guitar cues. Please check out the Ben Dumb 3 on Spotify, Apple Music, or any other music streaming platform. There are so many of them that you can listen to Ben Dumb, so listen to him on all of them. And after you've done with that, make sure you come back next time where we'll be digging into the villains should meet a karaoke night. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of karaoke people? The greatest song ever sung poorly knows. <laughs> oh, Ed, we do know all about those karaoke years. That's it. That's all there is. No more. So until next time, I'm Adam Wainwright. And I'm Ed Kennard. And remember that singing off key is still technically singing. <laughs>
I can't think of a better way to finish an episode than that advice. What about you, Adam? No, Ed, I think we should just uh, cue the guitar and get on up out here. That's not what we do at this point. Wrong, sure. wrong tag. <laughs> Which tag are we on now? Hold on. Uh, we hope to see you. Oh, that's right. See, I knew the energy was weird in here today. <laughs> uh, I'll edit it in post. What? What's your setup for that, Ed? Fuck if I know at this point, Adam. But we'll make it. We'll make it sound right. That's we. We always do. See, I told yes, you guys. Do. <laughs> I told you guys when you do melted by act on musician, confused is not just the kidnappers, but also the hosts. 